Have you ever had that heart-stopping moment when you realized you forgot the password to a critical account? I have, and that's exactly why I switched to 1Password years ago, and honestly, it's been a game-changer. I can't do without 1Password, and I know that if you give it a try, you will feel the same way. And when you support our sponsors, then you support the show. So I encourage you to check out what 1Password has to offer One of the things 1Password has to offer is it combines top-tier security with an award-winning design, making password management a breeze for anyone, anywhere. From the moment I started using 1Password, I said goodbye to the days of resetting passwords and worrying about security breaches. You see, 1Password isn't just about convenience. It's about saving you from the real cost of data breaches and the daily time suck of password resets. It works seamlessly across all your devices, filling in passwords for you so that you can sign in with a click. And the best part, all you need to do is remember one strong password that protects everything else. I've been using 1Password for as long as I can remember. My family is using it. Everyone in this household has bought in. It's, again, a game changer. It's completely transformed how I handle my digital security and my family feels the same way. We've gotten away from using the same passwords again and again and again, or sticky note reminders or having that notebook that says passwords I must remember. Plus, 1Password is trusted by millions, including giants like IBM and Slack. With 1Password, my digital life and my family's digital life is not only more secure, but infinitely simpler. And look, if you've ever been frustrated by a family member constantly asking for passwords, 1Password's secure sharing has been a total relationship saver for me. It's so secure that the Associated Press relies on it in high-risk areas, which means it's more than capable of keeping your digital life safe and streamlined. So why not make the switch? Protect yourself, your family, and your business with 1Password. It's the simple and secure way to manage your digital life. And right now, listeners of A Productive Conversation get a free two-week trial at onepasswordcom convo. That's two free weeks at onepassword.com slash productive convo. Again, onepassword.com slash productive convo. Check out one password. I know you'll fall in love with it like my whole family has. Again, that's onepassword.com slash productive convo for two free weeks. Check it out today. Have you ever considered the impact your work environment has on your health and your productivity? Enter Uplift Desk, a revolutionary standing desk designed to transform the way you work. And that's just the beginning of what Uplift Desk has to offer. With an emphasis on ergonomics and customization, Uplift Desk offers a solution that caters to the dynamic needs of modern professionals. Whether you're coding, designing, or podcasting, like I am right now, the flexibility to switch between sitting and standing can significantly enhance your focus and vitality. What makes Uplift Desk stand out is not just their commitment to quality and innovation, but also their dedication to creating a healthier workspace. With options to customize from over 100 desktop materials and a plethora of accessories, Uplift Desk ensures that your work setup is uniquely yours, promoting better posture and movement throughout the day. And here's an offer to get you started on a healthier work journey starting today. Go to upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting for 5% off your order. That's up 
liftdesk.com slash timecrafting to get 5% off your entire order. Your health, your productivity, your future self will thank you. Again, that's upliftdesk.com slash timecrafting and get 5% off your entire order today. I get personal validation and fulfillment when something is weird. So if I can make a website just look different, if I can make like stories on social media feel a bit different, if I can make some idea like buy our future or wandering aimfully just feel a little bit different, the fact that I know that something is like really me in those things and it is unique to me and that my own kind of like ideas and stuff are in it, that makes it feel so much better. Welcome to the Productivities Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Vardy. And this week on the show, I'm joined by my friend and author of the new book, Own Your Weird, an oddly effective way for finding happiness in work, life, and love, Jason Zook. Now, Jason, he is an unconventional entrepreneur. He was tired of living a life that felt prescribed to him by society. So what he did was he used his out-of-the-box thinking and ingenuity to create multiple profitable internet-based businesses. From making $1 million wearing sponsored t-shirts for a living, we get into that, with his I Wear Your Shirt business, to selling his last name not once, but twice, and eventually selling his future, which we also talk about during our conversation. Jason is all about owning his weird, and this book will help you own your weird as well. So will this conversation. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Jason Zook here on the Productivityist Podcast. I'd like to welcome Jason Zook to the Productivityist Podcast. Jason, thanks for joining me today. You could have said it the Canadian way. You don't have to say it the American way. So uh, welcome to the Productivityist Podcast A. I could have said. <laughs> well, and, and Jason Zook. Zook, I could say Zook, it's good true. Good buddy Paul Jarvis, like, yes. he refuses to say Zook, which is fine with me because you guys have earned that right. Well, and I wanted to use the proper pronunciation because Zook rhymes with book, right? You and you've got a book that's coming yeah. out called Own Your Weird, and, and it's actually out now as we're, as we're, it's, it, we're recording this, spoiler alert, we're recording this before the book comes out. I yeah. don't know if my audience knows this for sure, but... There are instances where I actually record the interviews before the book comes out. Wow. It's not same day? You don't no. record and just like immediately upload right after? No, no. Um, <laughs> I don't do that. So there you go. A little bit behind the scenes, how the sausage gets made kind of thing. So the book's called Own Your Weird, An Oddly Effective Way for Finding Happiness in Work, Life, and Love. And we, you know, I'm surprised that we've never had a podcast conversation before at all at this point. We really haven't. Well. I guess I'm just not productive enough. I don't know. We Here's the thing is I think what happens is we end up seeing each other in person exactly. and we have conversations in person, but then it dawns on me like, Hey, wait a minute. You know, yeah. why haven't you, why haven't you, why haven't we done this public, like for public consumption, like for everyone yep. to hear, uh, that would be kind of weird to do that in public, but we could try that next time. That's like a good podcast, weird marketing technique, right? It would just be to like go and do interviews in like a little podcasting booth, like in public places. Yeah. And just don't say anything about it. Don't like just, you know, just have it be like two people with microphones. Be like, what is going on here? It would be the same thing as, you know, vloggers going around with their like everyone having a exactly. <laughs> having the yeah. gorilla pod going around. But instead, they're walking yeah. around with Zooms, you know, yeah. Zooms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then like some type of Wi-Fi booster, because like one of them is going to have the call dropped at some they, point. During exactly. It. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I want to talk a bit about why this book was 
needed to come out now? Like why, first off, why were you ready to put it out there now? And why is this book needed now more than ever to be out there? Yeah, it's a interesting thing for me is that in 2013, I, decided to write my first book. So my first book was called Creativity for Sale. I self-published that book. And when I wrote that book, the idea was I've never really seen an entrepreneur write a book every couple of years and just kind of like share all their stories and their journeys and like kind of have like a, a trilogy, if you will, or a series, if you will. Um, and, and definitely there are tons of nonfiction authors who write multiple books every couple of years, Seth Godin being one that we all look forward to every time a new book comes out. But it's not really about him. It's just about these ideas and thoughts. And that's great. It's wonderful. It's it's super entertaining and helpful. But it's more like I just I thought it would be fun to like follow the life of people who do weird things, myself being one of these people. So if I want to see something in the world, I tend to just do it and then see what happens from there. So in 2013, wrote the first book, extremely cathartic experience because I had a business before that called I Wear Your Shirt that just ran me into the ground. And I just had so much stuff I wanted to share and that I'd learned. And so I kind of thought I would write in two year increments, like just every two years I write a book and just kind of see how that goes. Well, I didn't do enough <laughs> in two years. I kind of got to the two year mark and I was like, it'd be boring if I wrote a book now. Like there's not enough substance here. There's not enough that I've done. So in 2017, I was at dinner one night with my wife, Caroline, and it just kind of hit me. I was like, I think now's the time. Like, I think I've done enough. I think I've learned enough. I've grown as a person. Um, a lot of ideas and things have shifted. Um, a lot of things I was really screaming about in 2013, I've changed my opinion on, like social media being one of them. And I think now's the right time. And and the original title of the book was Do It Differently. But this book kind of had a weird journey getting published. And it eventually became Own Your Weird, which I kind of love because now is the time when we are so oversaturated with Instagram accounts and Twitter accounts and blogs and YouTubes and podcasts and everything. And the only reason why any of them stand out is if they are unique, is if they are different, is if they have some type of weirdness that we can all kind of either get excited about or just be completely turned off by and move on to the next thing. So uh, that's actually, I want to get to the the idea of what the book was initially going to be called, Do It Differently, and then Own Your Weird is, it definitely, to me, I mean, well, you're, you're definitely trying to appeal to the weird person, right? You're trying to, different to me sounds like it, it's it's almost too ambiguous, whereas weird, yeah. it's almost like there's an emotional connection to that, right? Yeah, and I give my publisher full credit for that. So uh, originally, I was going to self-publish this second book, and um, you know, I I wrote the whole first draft. I had an editor go through it. I paid. Uh, my wife went through it because she's an incredibly good writer as well. And I was almost ready to do that. And then I had this idea of what if I kind of just like did this in a weird way or a different way, uh, put the book out there. So I created this website called DearBookPublisher.com, and basically just said, "Hey, traditional publishing world, I'm not going to go to you. You can come to me." Because I kind of figured if any of them bought into that, then they'd be the right fit for me. Because otherwise, then they're all just like, we're, you know, we're too good. We don't need you. And I didn't get a publisher from that. You could believe that. Uh, but I got an agent. And she was awesome. She really believed in me, believed in the idea of the book. She read the book. And so she reached out on my behalf, actually put a real proposal together and, and did that. And, and when we went through the process after getting a publisher to sign on board, thank you, Running Press, uh, the editor that I worked with, she was like, I really like the different aspect, but it's exactly what you just said. She was like, I'm not emotionally connected to it. And also we were talking, she was in a sales meeting. She was like, we were talking about the cover of Do It Differently next to the cover of Own Your Weird on a shelf. Which one would you pick? And I think all of us would probably pick Own Your Weird as the more interesting one. Not even necessarily like, I want to know what's in that book. Just like, 
that's a more interesting cover. So uh, I really like it. And, and the way that they kind of went back through, I was actually really happy in, in my experience with an editor going back through the book, weaving through this kind of weird narrative through the whole thing, the little own it sections that uh, I know you saw in there that at, at the end of each chapter is kind of like how you own your weird in each part of the book, I thought was really fun. So I want to I want to focus initially on the first section of the books. The books divided up in several sections, but the biggest thing that I know for for when I work with people and when people come to follow my work is the the mindset piece because that's a big part of it. You could go in with all of the method stuff, but if you don't have the right mindset going in, then the method kind of falls apart. It doesn't have a backbone to it. I actually was talking to uh, there's a a podcast episode featuring Jeffrey Gittimer, uh, who who I interviewed, you know, a few gosh, well, I interviewed him a while ago, but the episode's fairly recent where he talks about the idea of, you know, if you, you can have all the action that you want, but if you don't write philosophy or mindset behind it, then it's not really gonna take hold. And you also have a hard time owning it, right? So how how important is it? for people to kind of embrace that mindset piece first. And then, I mean, I don't want to give all the trade secrets away that are in the book. You got to pick up the book, but what was the, what was maybe the toughest thing for you to try to adopt that mindset on a consistent basis? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing, and, and it's probably a very obvious one, which is that like human nature is to be a part of the herd. It is to be a part of the collective group and being weird is being an outcast. It's being, as Seth Godin called it, the purple cow. And and that actually was like my start into this world in 2004 or five is when I found that book and I was working in a nine to five job. And I remember how weird it felt when I read that book and I went, maybe I don't belong in the nine to five world. Maybe I belong outside of this doing something else. And and it was really scary making that leap. It was really difficult to do that. Like I still get chills thinking about walking into my boss's office because I had a perfectly cushy job. Like I had a great job. It was really easy. It was good pay. But I just felt intrinsically disconnected to it. And internally, I just felt like there was this kind of boiling turmoil and kind of figuring out that I'm a weird person. I have weird ideas. I want to chase down ideas. I get a lot of personal satisfaction from having an idea and then executing it and actually making it exist and seeing what happens. And I think for me that if you're the type of person who really feels like there's some type of internal struggle to fitting into what everyone else is doing, or maybe you just don't feel like you're getting value from putting things out into the world because they're just not that different. Like they're kind of following the blueprints and the recipes and the checklists and the, all the things that everyone's putting out into the world. That really is who this, especially the first part of the book is for, is for people to figure out what is unique to them. So it's not even just about me. And I say that like in the very beginning of the book, this, this book is not about me. It's about the person reading it and about how they can figure out what is their weird? Because their weird, your weird, and my weird are going to be so different. And that's great. That's awesome. That's what I want. And that's what I hope people will find. And that is what can really, like you said, it can really define how you feel about things that you do, how you actually get excited about the work that you do, because it is the whole mindset part of it where you know, oh, I'm doing this my way, which is a little bit different from someone else, maybe a little bit weird from the rest of the people around me. But it feels so good to do it my way. And no matter what happens, you know, success or failure, I know that I did it the way that I should have done it. And that's really kind of what matters to me. How do you pay attention to that, though? That's the I think that's a tricky piece is how do you how do you pay attention to your weirdness above all the noise of the herd? That's kind because of, you mentioned the book about feedback. And that's a that's a really key point, right? Where, where if you uh, I'll use my my own situation as a quick example, uh, you know, um, when when I t- when I told people I was leaving my job to do this thing, 
uh, there are the people that are closest to me. My, you're like, how are you going to make a living? What are you going to do? What what happens if this happens? What happens if? And it, it's really hard to rise above that noise. And not only that, but to to slow down and take the time to say, okay, I know that noise is always going to be there. How do I keep it at bay? So what yeah. what are some of the, the the things that people can do? Maybe maybe the simplest or the easiest, again, easy is probably not the right term, but that they can do say, hey, you know yeah. what? I know that this is going to be happening, but I also know that if I don't follow my my path, that it's going to be a problem. So I need to find a way to pay attention to it consistently. Yeah, I think there are two things at play here. So one is external and one is internal. So the external part, like you said, which is when you bring ideas to other people, and I certainly talk about some of my crazy ideas in the book and what people have said about them. Um, you find that the people who are saying the things to you that are like, oh, you shouldn't do that, or oh, I'm really concerned, or I don't know, this will work. Those types of people probably haven't done what you're trying to do. So their reaction is coming from a fear place. And what happens when you take other people's fears and put them into your ideas is you then become afraid. And that's a recipe for disaster. So you really have to be careful with that, which is why I talk a lot about in the book of feedback being dangerous. So if you're asking for feedback, really know who it's coming from. You know, so like if I want running my own business feedback, um, the feedback I would get from my mom is very different from the feedback I would get from you. You run your own business. You know what you're doing. Now, technically, my mom does run her own business now, but for years she didn't. So she wouldn't have been a good person to ask. But I think you know what I'm getting to. So that's kind of the external part and how you manage that. The internal part, which is somewhat related, but it really comes down to challenging all of the assumptions all of the time. And it can be very difficult in the beginning to go, okay, I think I want to start my own business, or I think I want to do this different thing, or I want to pivot or whatever it is that you want to do. And you have all these what ifs. You have all these thoughts of like, oh, who am I to do this? And uh, I've seen other people do this and it's failed. I don't want to fail. Or I've tried this before and it hasn't worked out. And for me, it's all about testing every single one of those assumptions and finding out that 99% of the time, what my brain thought was going to happen is not at all what happened. And when it did in the 1% of time when things kind of matched up to my assumptions that were based on fear, self-doubt, or imposter syndrome, I probably didn't do something my own way. I followed a blueprint or I followed a well-lit path, if you will. And guess what happens? Those work for other people, but they don't necessarily work for you and your own set of circumstances. And so I think the testing of assumptions thing has just been probably one of the biggest things that has been like a, a game changer for me over the years, because you can see it in my track record. Like I'm a normal guy. I'm not anybody who's famous. I'm not anybody who deserves to have these weird projects work, but they work because I'm willing to put them out into the world and then do what it takes to actually make them succeed, which is the easy part that you said that doesn't really exist. Um, so it's kind of like my long-winded answer to the two different directions for that. Okay, so I want to talk about this testing of assumptions piece because I think that this is what I'm a big believer in if you're going to start to adopt a mindset or adopt a process that it's not an all or nothing mentality. Like you you need to kind of, I wouldn't say piecemeal it together, but it's, you know, that old saying, how do you eat an elephant one one bite at a time? So. Mm -hmm. When people read this book or when they're, you know, they're on this path to own their weird, how important is it for them to say, oh, I'm going to try this and this and this and this is all at once? Because you didn't do that either. Like you were very deliberate about this is the thing I'm going to do. And I'm, and then when that was done, you moved on to the next as opposed to trying to do four things at once. 
yeah, and it, it is uh, such an important thing. I mean, it 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 actually that mindset in itself, that way of thinking is so much about all the things in life, right? Like we were just talking before we started recording about fitness and about working out. And like, there's a big difference between, you know what, I think I want to get in shape. And you just like every day try and do like 20 push-ups, like 20 squats, like maybe you walk for 10 minutes, as opposed to like joining a CrossFit gym and going hard, you know, like right away. Guess what's not going to work out? Joining a CrossFit gym. Because we just all know that you cannot go zero to 100% and be successful and have sustainability with it. And the same thing goes for the book and the entire mantra of the book of owning your weird. You're not going to go from who you are today to a completely different person in all aspects of your life tomorrow. But what I really try and talk about is what are the little changes that you can make in the different areas of your life when it comes to work, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to maybe adopting like a little bit of minimalism, if you find yourself feeling mentally cluttered or physically cluttered in your home or in your life, any of those things, it is about the small steps forward. And and you're right, you know, th there has been no time in my life when I've taken on like 10 different new weird things that I've done. It's always been a methodical, okay, let me do this thing. And let's see how that goes. Test the assumption, move forward, you know, challenge the fears, see how it goes. And if it works, great. If it doesn't work, okay, not a failure, but what can I learn from it to then move on to the next thing? And I think that's the thing that's just been the repeatable process for me is like, the little by little changes, and then also making sure that I'm staying true to who I am in these things that I'm doing. Um, you know, and going back to like the fitness example, like for me, I really, I cannot work with a personal trainer. So like we were talking about this, like you're a personal, I, it would just bother me to death, not because I think I'm better, but because I just would have all this internal struggle with it. So instead, I'll, I'll just watch a YouTube video on my phone while I work out. I'll, I'll work out so much longer, so much harder, so much better, because I don't feel the pressure of someone with me. But now other people, they may need the personal training. So it's about finding out what works for you. And I know it's a very like specific example, but it really is about testing things out, seeing what works, finding all those little, um, just little moments that you can figure out. Like, do I try a personal trainer? Do I try YouTube videos, you know, for business? Like, do I sell things this way? Do I market them this way? Do I do this? And you just learn from every single one of those experiences and kind of inch by inch, like eating the elephant, which is a weird metaphor, but, uh, that is how it works out. Ever found yourself deep in a project, your flow state so intense that the world around you just fades away. That's the magic zone where ideas take flight and your work truly comes to life. But what if, in a blink, it could all disappear? Hard drives fail, coffee spills, and yes, even the dreaded accidental delete happens. But fear not, because CrashPlan has your back. Don't wait for disaster to strike. Head over to CrashPlan.com timecrafting now for a free trial and secure your creations with their limited time buy one get one offers. Supporting our sponsors means supporting this podcast, so take a moment to check them out. CrashPlan is the superhero of cloud-based data protection, specifically designed for people like us who live and breathe their digital creations. CrashPlan ensures that every file, every idea, and every piece of hard work is safely backed up and protected. With CrashPlan Professional, you get unlimited backup for your computers, 
not servers or cloud apps, just pure essential data protection for PC, Mac, and Linux. This means your business plans, designs, music, and documents are continuously encrypted and updated in their secure cloud without you lifting a finger. Imagine this, your laptop takes a dive during a late night work session. With CrashPlan, it's not a disaster, it's just a minor hiccup. Their service runs quietly in the background, safeguarding every change you make every 15 minutes. And if the worst happens, your files are just a few clicks away from being restored with unlimited version retention acting as your personal time machine. For businesses, CrashPlan's multi-tenant capabilities are a game changer. Buy as many licenses as you need, manage them with ease, and let your team or your IT admin restore data seamlessly, saving precious time and resources. So go to CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting now to sign up for a free trial and take advantage of one of their limited buy one, get one offers for a Productive Conversation listeners. That's CrashPlan.com slash TimeCrafting. Back up better with CrashPlan. Ever caught yourself marveling at the seamless magic of everyday tech, like how noise-canceling headphones block out the world or the sheer bliss of meeting-free Fridays? Now imagine if there was a way to bring that kind of magic into selling online. Well, guess what? There is, and it's called Shopify. From the moment you decide to launch your online shop to opening your first physical store, and even when you're pinching yourself because, yes, you just hit a million orders, Shopify is there to guide your growth. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or the latest productivity tools, Shopify supports you everywhere with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. The checkout? Oh, it's a breeze for your customers, converting up to 36% better than other platforms. And with Shopify Magic, your AI-powered assistant, you're selling more with way less effort. And you won't be alone in your Shopify journey because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., supporting giants like Allbirds and Brooklinen and millions of entrepreneurs across 175 countries. Their award-winning support is always there, making sure businesses that grow, Grow with Shopify, and yours can be one of those businesses. And for those looking to level up, Shopify's endless integrations and third-party apps from on-demand printing to chatbots ensure your business is always ahead of the curve. So what are you waiting for? Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash timecrafting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash timecrafting. Have you ever looked into fasting and thought, I love the benefits, but I can't go days without eating? Well, that's where Prolon comes in, transforming the fasting experience with a plant-based nutrition program that tricks your cells into thinking they're fasting without actually having to stop eating. Developed through decades of research at the University of Southern California Longevity Institute, Prolon is not just another diet, it's a scientifically backed program designed to support your body's natural processes. Now keep in mind, this isn't about cutting out food, it's about providing your body with the right nutrients to enter a fasting state while still eating. The program includes snacks, soups, and beverages, all carefully designed to support healthy blood sugar levels, cardiovascular health, and even reduce abdominal fat. And the convenience? Well, it's unmatched. Everything you need comes in one box delivered right to your doorstep. 
Thousands of doctors now recommend Prolon for its health benefits, backed by Nobel Prize winning science. So if you're looking for a way to kickstart your health journey with all the benefits of fasting and none of the hunger, Prolon is the answer. And right now, Prolon is offering a Productive Conversation listeners 10% off their five-day nutrition program. Go to prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. That's P-R-O-L-O-N Life dot com slash timecrafting for this special offer. Again, that's prolonlife.com slash timecrafting. Check it out today. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. We're going to take a break from the conversation, but when we come back, I'm going to ask Jason about what the whole deal was with him selling his future, if he looks for weirdness in everything that he does, and I'm going to talk about the thing he said that you can do right now to make your life better. But right now, I'd like to talk to you about Meet Edgar. Meet Edgar is a tool that I am using and that you should use as well, because what it'll do is help amplify your presence and message across multiple social networks and save you time and energy. You can sync Edgar with Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram and connect with your audience where they are when they're there. Meet Edgar's unique category-based scheduler will save you a ton of time. You can keep your feeds active and post the right content to the right network at the optimal time. That's really important. And once you've signed up, you'll get access to an Edgar onboarding coach, live social media marketing office hours, and a ton of educational courses to help you shine on social. I'm using that now and you can maximize the reach of every piece of content. Edgar's unique suggested variation turns a single blog post or your podcast show notes like these into five unique social posts with a single click. It's never been easier to 5x your social media output and reach more people. Now, I want you to give Meet Edgar a try. So head on over to meetedgar.com slash timecrafting and use the code timecrafting to get an extended 60-day free trial. That's meetedgar.com slash timecrafting and use that code timecrafting to get an extended 60-day free trial. Check out Meet Edgar. I'm using it right now. I'm in love with it. I know you'll love it too. Before we get back to Jason, I want to share with you my Productivity is Podcast Pick of the Week. It's How to Be Awesome at Your Job, hosted by Pete Mikaitis, who's been on this program already. You can uh, I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But uh, what what I want to share with you about this podcast that I absolutely love is just the array of guests that he's had. If you're looking, uh, you know, to, to hear from some productivity experts like Tan from Asian Efficiency, we've got David Epstein, who's somebody who I want to definitely have a chance to chat with. I've been on the show. Episode 473 features yours truly. Shane Parrish from Farnham Street. Josh Kaufman, who's been on the show. Jake Knapp, who is all about making time. BJ Fogg, habits expert. Neen James. 
uh, Greg McEwen, um, Dan Harris, just a, a plethora of fantastic guests. And uh, as of this recording, he's approaching number 500 in this podcast series. Uh, you know, it really, the show is designed to help grow your skills and impact at any job that requires thinking and collaborating. Pete's a great guy. I've had a, a wonderful time chatting with him. If you're looking to add another podcast to your podcasting listening menu, your, your podcasting diet, you can't go wrong with how to be awesome at your job. In fact, you can go very, very right. So again, check out how to be awesome at your job. Subscribe to it in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you are listening to podcasts. I highly, highly recommend it. It's my productivityist podcast pick of the week. Now let's get back to my conversation with Jason Zook. So I want to talk about um, by your future or by my future, which is what you did. I remember when you when you listed that when you put it up, and I'm like, this is both brilliant and brave all at the same time. And the brilliance of it is no one was really. I didn't see anybody do that before, and the part of my brain that didn't think it was brilliant but thought it was like you know, wow, this is either brave or foolish because there's always this like brave, bravery and foolhardiness are like right side by side, depending on what your mindset is. And the other part of my brain went, this guy's leaving money on the table. Like literally that's what part of my brain went, which I would imagine that your brain, part of it probably did that. How do you, and in turn, how do others keep that, those, those, um, those biases? Cause that's what they are of like regret or, or, um, uh, you know, just, you know, like this is the wrong move. I should, you know, I'm leaving money on all that stuff. How did you, how did you in that specific example and maybe others keep that at bay so that you could do it? Because I'm sure, you know, someone down the road, you're going to build something amazing. And someone who bought it's going to be like, ah, that would be, if someone buys it individually, they're going to pay as much as they did to buy the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that you bring this project up. So this project, just to give some context in 2015, at the time, I had six online courses and two software products that I was working on. And it's a lot of things. It's just like a lot of stuff for someone to manage. One person business, like I do everything myself. And I had this idea of like, I want to keep creating things, but I do not want to keep selling things. So let me package them together into one. And like you said, hadn't really seen someone do this before where it was like, here is the one-time purchase of my future, essentially, but also my past. And you get everything. And of course, there are some caveats and whatnot and other things. Um, and I really did, I, I wrestled exactly like you're saying with these thoughts of, okay, so it was $1,000 for the first time that I did it. So what if I do something in 10 years and it's, you know, $1,000 and no one buys it because all these people already bought my future? Well, the fun thing is, is we're four years after that project now. And the beauty of it is, is that now I have the hindsight. So it's it's actually fun to be able to talk about it. But let me first talk about how I got through that because it's easy to look at it now, but in the beginning it was difficult. So I thought the same thing you did, you know, which was like, okay, I'm going to sell this for a thousand bucks. I've never really sold a thousand dollar thing. So I don't even know how many sales I'm going to get. So let me first things first, temper expectations. Okay. Jason talking to myself here. What's a realistic number of people you think will buy this? Um, 10 to 20 people. Like, I think that's realistic that I could, you know, if I've had customers who bought multiple things, I feel like I've got some really good customers. So that feels good. Okay. That's 10 to $20,000 from this idea. Not a, not a bad win. Um, okay. What's, what's a big goal? Like what's like my pie in the sky dream. I was like, okay, a thousand people. Like if I had a thousand people buy this, first of all, I'd make a million dollars, which would be crazy. Um, but that would be pretty intense. That'd be, that'd be amazing. 
And so what I did is I sat with those goals for a little while and I started thinking more and more. And I was like, you know what? I don't really want a thousand customers to manage. Again, I'm a one person business. Like this is gonna be trouble for me. And I know from previous experience, the more money you make, the more problems you have, the more stress you have, the more work you have to do. So I was like, I actually want less customers than, than what my big goal is. So let me actually not stay toward the low goal, but be okay with that lower number. So when Buy My Future first sold, 178 people bought, which blew me away because after it got over kind of like 50 people, I was over the moon. I was like, this is amazing. This idea is awesome. But I still had that thought in my mind, like you said, of am I leaving money on the table? Are these people going to take advantage of me for years? You know, am I going to lose out on all this stuff? So fast forward a couple of years now. So my wife and I have combined businesses. We actually did buy our future, which was kind of the progression after just buy my future, which continued to do well for us. We continued to sell. It was $2,000. So now we have Wandering Aimfully, which is its own thing, but it still has all those existing people who bought here. But here's the beautiful thing. Our business has continued to grow in audience ship, if that's a word, <laughs> people who pay attention to our stuff. Um, our email list has continued to grow. We continue to get new people who find us both through the stuff that we create, but also the existing customers who talk about us. So I know that, sure, maybe I left some money on the table in the initial sale, in the sales over the years, but I also know that we have this group of 500 plus people now that have bought into us for life who are so excited to be a part of this. And all of the possible regrets of money left on the table and like people taking advantage, none of that is true. Like those are the assumptions that I'm so glad I have four years to now say, none of those came true. All of these people now, we even have people, this is hilarious. We even have people now who are like, I know I bought your future, but if you just need me to spend like $500 on something, like how rare is that? How crazy is that? And of course it's the exception, not the rule. But we fostered that community and that type of relationship with our customers because they know that we're going to continue to deliver value. So it is one of those things where I did have those feelings, but really testing it, putting it into practice, it's continued to show us that it's not going to be as scary or as bad as you think. Do you look for weirdness out there? Do you Are you looking as someone who is like embraced it? Are you like, what's the weird thing I can do? Is that now part oh, of the, like the, the thing always. you do? Yeah. Yeah. So my, my values, like uh, I didn't have core values a couple years ago. I didn't even know what they were. I didn't care. And when I met Caroline, my wife, she, she wasn't my wife at the time, obviously that would have been weird. Uh, my mail order wife, Caroline had these, <laughs> uh, she, uh, she basically like kind of talked to me about this and, and it went through to my first book and I realized control and flexibility are like my two like values that I always have had and that embracing them and knowing them helps me create a filter of decisions for businesses. So when I create a software company, I now know like I don't want a co-founder. I want someone who I can pay to do the work. And then if it ends up becoming a co-founder, that's a good thing. But starting as a co-founder takes control away from me, takes his flexibility away, et cetera. But the third value that cropped up over the past couple of years is this idea of weirdness. So for me, I get personal validation and fulfillment when something is weird. So if I can make a website just look different, if I can make like stories on social media feel a bit different, if I can make some idea like buyer future or wandering gameplay just feel a little bit different, no matter what the sales are, like the numbers and the money and all that stuff, of course it feels good and it's helpful and we need it. But the fact that I know that something is like really me in those things and it is unique to me and that my own kind of like ideas and stuff are in it that makes it feel so much better. And that's a thing that I really hope that people get out of the book is that if you can figure out if that's a part of it for you, whether it's being weird or whether it's being uh, really methodical or whether it's being super productive, you know, whatever that thing is that you really own and use it as a filter for creating stuff, 
it really does help you get a lot more value than just making money off of selling something. So when we talk about those values, you actually have a quote in the book. I'm going to read it because it was something that I really, really, this is the thing I think people get caught up in. So you say, here's a beautiful thing about life that I want you to think about throughout this book. You can change your life to fit your values right now. You can uproot your current thought processes and beliefs. You can figure out what really matters to you and start changing everything one tiny decision at a time. And I think that applies like on so many levels. I want to ask you when it comes to your values, when you're looking at those three values of control, flexibility, weirdness, when you are assessing something that you want to take on, whether it's a job, whether it's a project, whatever, does it have to hit all three? Or do you say, well, it's two, like it has to hit all three? Or are you say, or do you give it like the, well, it's got 66% of them, so I'm going to do it. How does that work for you? Yeah. The, so the first two are no brainers. So control and flexibility, hundred percent. Cause I've learned that sometimes I've given up control. It's awful. It's terrible. I just, I'm just regretting everything that I've done in that project. Um, the weirdness part is a little bit of not a must have, but a nice to have, but I'll tell you what happens is that as long as the first two are covered, then the weirdness kind of fits itself in. Cause that's just who I am, you know? And, and exactly. Totally. And it, it's also just one of those things where for me, it's like, it's second nature. So I don't even have to force it to happen. I have to force the first two things to happen because those can become negotiable very quickly. But the weird thing just kind of happens on its own once the first two are covered. And, and that's definitely something that I've learned that as we go through, we make new projects, courses, workshops, programs, whatever it is that we're doing. It just has to get those first two nailed. And then the other one will fill itself in for me. So the second section of the book, which we're not going to talk about too much today, is all about how how you own your weird. And it's kind of helping people with practical examples on how you do it. And then they can – it's interesting because you talk about in the first section the idea of the blueprint and how following someone's blueprint, not necessarily the best idea because what works for them won't work for you. That that said, and you've you, we, I think you can agree to this, is that elements of what they do can, but the whole package is – so – when they look at this and, and I've spent some time in it, I'm like, oh, there's some good ideas. I can take that. It's like that Bruce Lee quote, you know, absorb what's useful, uh, discard what isn't and add what's uniquely your own, that kind of thing. Right. Um, the third section, though, is about creating creating the blueprint. Now, how how challenging was it for you to write that part of the book? Because now it's it's you're almost like saying, OK, there is, you need to make your own blueprint. Here's how I do it. And here's how you create the blueprint, right? Yeah. It, and it is challenging. I mean, I think that's actually where it becomes really helpful to have people who are assisting me in writing a book. Because I think if I just sat down to do it, I would just be like, do this practical thing. Do this practical thing. Do, you're you know, so, like you're so close to it. Like we talked about before we started recording, like you're so close to the thing that exactly. you just are like, oh, wait, that's not obvious yeah. to you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you and I are very similar in that that mindset, too, of just like, well, you know, like, here's the thing. Do the thing like it's just like go to go from step A to step B. And, and it does really help to have other people to construct that. But I think the other thing that that came through putting the book together through kind of the different sections and showing people, you know, here are my stories of how I did it. But those actually they don't really matter other than just to entertain you. <laughs> And just to show you, like, here's how I adopted minimalism in my life. Here's how my wife and I had our unique marriage uh, or our merriment, as we called it. Um, here's how I got rid of toxic friends in my life. Here's how I quit social media multiple times and my business continued to grow. Like, those are just the examples. And then at the end of that, it's for really the reader to go, okay, cool. 
I don't care about getting rid of all this stuff in my house and like moving across the country. But Jason's right. Like I haven't looked in my closet in like four years and there's a lot of stuff in there I could probably give away and my closet wouldn't feel so cluttered. Or, you know, if it's like the toxic friendships thing, I'm hoping that someone reads. Well, I'm kind of hoping and kind of not. But like you read that and you go, ooh, that's, you know, that's Roger in my life or that's Susan in my, you know, and it's just like, ugh. I feel bad that they're going to get rid of those people, but I also feel really good that they're going to surround themselves with better people. So it's exactly what you said. It's just, this is my recipe and it's for you to pull out what really matters to you and then build your own recipe, you know? And, and I have a treasure map for my own life and business that's winding and there's pirate ships and things you run into. You know, you have all the ups and downs and the cracking gets you at some point, but it's about the person reading this to develop their own map and to figure out what it looks like for them and maybe it won't be as crazy and winding as mine with all the different you know, metaphors and animals, but it'll be their own and they'll be able to pull out what they want. And that's really what I hope for someone that they read this book and at the end of it, they go, man, not even close to as weird as this guy who wrote this book, but I've got like three actionable things I can change in my life, business, relationships that I feel really good about. And then actually like I'm starting to feel like really matter to me and who I am. And that's that's kind of my entire goal for the book. Jason, this has been a great conversation. I want to thank you for joining me today. And it's been a while since we chatted, so it's always cool to oh. cool to connect. Uh, Own Your Weird, an oddly effective way for finding happiness in work, life, and love. Where can people pick up the book and keep up with your work, both the past, the present, and the future? Well, the good thing about working with a traditional publisher, the book should be everywhere. So you should be able to find it Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, local bookstores. Uh, you could probably even find your small bookstore near you. You can either order it or get it, whatever you want. Um, there's also a fun little website we put together at wanderingaimfully.com slash weird. So it's a nice, easy URL. But yeah, everything that my wife and I do is at Wandering Aimfully. Uh, we have a creative community that we run and foster and take care of. And there are people who pay us and they stop paying us forever. And that's kind of our MO is just finding a fun way to do that with people. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, I just really hope people pick up the book, give it a chance to find their own weird, then tell me how weird they are, what the things are that they've changed in their life. That's the stuff that really kind of like lights me up as an author. So appreciate well, I, the time, Mike. Well, and I can tell you that you might have to do some yoga in this book. So <laughs> there is, there is, there is some, some yoga. Bonus, <laughs> bonus yoga in the book. Yeah. I, I love that you picked up on that. I cannot wait for that. Like that's the fun stuff too, right? Like those are the weird, yeah. you know, when my editor was reading it, she was like, wait, do you really want this in the book? I'm like, yeah, hundred percent. I want this in the book. So. Yep. Yep. You, there will be a lot of, a lot of yoga. Uh, <laughs> yoga happening with some hashtagging. Uh, uh, I'm sure it. of it. Jason, thanks again for joining me on the Productivities Podcast. Appreciate it. Thanks to Jason for joining me on the program today. You can find Own Your Weird on Amazon and all other fantastic booksellers. Check it out. I'm I'm really excited. Uh, I, I read the book. It's fantastic. I'd love to see some yoga poses. That's what I'd love to see. Uh, if you want to keep up on all the things that Jason's got going on and just research and review all of the helpful links that we uh, discussed, you can go to productivityist.com slash podcast 263 to make that happen. Or you can just look in your podcast listening app of choice. The show notes should be there as well. And by the way, when you're looking at your podcast app of choice, and you haven't subscribed yet, why not hit that subscribe button? That way you make sure that you don't miss a single episode of the show. Plus you can access the back catalog really, really easily, easier than I can say the word catalog. Uh, you could just do that by just choosing subscribe an Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this podcast. 
right now. And while you're at it, a rating and review can be really helpful. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, recently I read one of the reviews that said, hey, you know what? We want all of the ads uh, somewhere else. I don't like them scattered throughout the show because it breaks up the flow of conversation. I took that feedback, applied it in the last couple of episodes and going forward, uh, not only, not only did I do it in this episode, the episode previous, but I've also made a pledge to do it going forward. And I asked the rest of my audience as well. And an overwhelming like 80% said, let's put them, put them in one block. Uh, so that's, what's going to happen. So again, see, I read the reviews. I keep up with the feedback. So if you leave a rating and review, I will check it out personally, and it'll help me make the show better. So again, ratings, reviews, always really helpful wherever you are listening to this podcast. I, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, thanks so much for making the show possible. Uh, that's it for this week. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivity Podcast, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. See you later.